Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to episode 20 of The Promised Land, a Manchester United podcast brought to you by 90min and sponsored by our friends at ProPrep. I'm Scott Saunders, joined once again by football journalist and United season ticket holder Rob Blanchett. Remember to subscribe to our show. We're on Apple, Spotify and Google Podcasts and follow us on Twitter too. You can find us at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B and at Promised Land MU. Rob, Happy New Year. Uh, how are you doing after Manchester United finished the year in, I don't want to say style, it was okay, right? Well, first of all, yep. Yeah, happy New Year to all of our listeners as well. And uh, thank you for joining us. I felt really, really good after the Burnley game. I've seen, obviously, you know, I think varying stuff on social media and in reports about the match. I just think that how bad it's been in the last two or three weeks and looking at the two games against two clubs that should be getting relegated this year and Manchester United looking like they sit quite nicely with those two relegation fodder teams. So I thought that we saw some really good stuff against Burnley. We actually saw some pressing it wasn't perfect, as I described it after the game, but I think at least we saw some purpose and we've been waiting to see that really since the first half an hour against Crystal Palace. We were actually going to record uh, after the Newcastle awful, awful draw, uh, but we thought, now we'll give it another few days and we'll wait to see what happens to see if we can end the year on a more positive note. Uh, hopefully they can beat Burnley. If they don't, then perhaps we're just going to have to go with it and double down on the negative stuff. But I think we'll keep it positive-ish today. I know we've got a negative section coming up, but maybe we'll try and minimise that as best we can. Speaking of what we're talking about on today's show, we'll look back at the last two games. We'll look at Newcastle and uh, Burnley and what we learned as a whole. Uh, As I mentioned there, the Newcastle game was awful. Good signs in the Burnley game, though. So what will happen In the next few weeks, we will see. Uh, We'll talk about the positives that we've seen in those games. I'm going to name Scott McTominay, Luke Shaw, Ronaldo. We'll touch on him as well and some negatives. Harry Maguire. There's a a conversation to be had there, Rob. I think Harry Maguire, Marcus Rashford and Bruno as well. And then we'll look ahead to the upcoming game and the transfer window, which is set to open. uh, I think it's tomorrow as we record this, uh, but... We'll see. January is never really the best time to go and buy players, but do United need to do some business? You know, there could be some outgoings. We all know who those players could be, but could there be some incomings as well? And which positions do they need to strengthen in? Rob, let's uh, let's take a look then. How do you want to do this? I, I don't really want to focus on the Newcastle game too much, but maybe should look, we should look at the two games as a whole. So the Newcastle game was awful, bland. They fell behind and somehow mustered... A point. I think they rescued a point, really, because they would they deserve to lose that game, in my opinion. But obviously, even Ralph Ranjit came out and said that that just wasn't good enough, and he was expecting improvements for the Burnley game, which we got. I would say, as you mentioned, there was not. It was not perfect, but there were some elements of the Burnley game where, you know, you can take encouragement from that. And the three points was the most important thing, but it was a mixed bag over the over the course of the two games, wasn't it? 
Very much so. But I think with the Newcastle game and, and really with the Norwich match as well, and just again assessing the general play since Ranić took over, we've seen this maybe this high energy approach against Crystal Palace for the first half an hour. You win the game, everyone comes out of that match feeling better about stuff. Since then, we've seen United regress and regress in terms of energy and output and intent. So yeah, United have got lots of high-played pay, uh, players who who've got great skill sets, great records, can do all sorts of things. But the one thing they weren't doing was working. And I think this was the that was a key point against Newcastle was that the result is one thing, and you need to go and get good results at this time of the season. We know that you've just got your manager sacked. These players need to come out and perform. But more than that, just do a shift, just work. So you're playing for a coach now that for his whole career has played pressing style football. Go and press the ball, go and do the basics. So I think against Burnley, certainly in the first half, we saw that. And there's no doubt that again, with when you've got two players up top who are elder statesmen, the, the press is going to slow down and they're not going to be able to chase shadows like, like they could in the first half. But overall, there was much better intent. Before the game, I'd questioned whether United's players really want it. I kind of threw that out there because that's what I'm seeing. It's not a case of whether you're good enough. It's a, do you really want it? Do you want to win football matches for this football team? I think against Burnley, I can safely say that the team did want to win and they got the victory. They did the work. It wasn't perfect, but that's okay because it's not going to be perfect. Go and win the matches, but do the basics. And if you do the basics, then you give the manager something to work with, don't you? Like If you don't run, then what can Ranić do? Ranić can't make players run physically himself. He can teach them and tell them what he wants, but he needs them to actually apply the science. Yeah, you're definitely right there, Rob. I think I went on uh, Five Live uh, just before the game last night and was asked, what does Ranić have to do to convince these players that he's the one? And, I'm, you know, something along those lines I might be uh, grabbing it a little bit there. But I was like, kind of took it as... These players have had an excuse all season. They've hid behind Ollie for not performing and not running. You, you can't do it with another manager, especially a manager who's like famed for his tactical nous. It, it's a question now of actually, do you want it? Because you have to start proving it. United were seventh in the league before going into this game and that they should not be there. It's a question of these players now, they have to prove that they want it. They have to prove that they can do it or you can go. It's as simple as that. Totally. And I, and I think, you know, like it's a real football cliche, isn't it? That when a team plays badly, football fans often just shout it out loud, don't they? They go, oh, do these players want it? And I think nine times out of 10, if you make a tactical error or a technical error, it's not because whether you want it or not, it's just a mistake. And that then gets highlighted as maybe something against your character, a stain against you. But I do think the truth is, is that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer got this team to a certain level by looking after these players, creating an environment where they could thrive, where they were happy. And it, I, I just do not subscribe that you have to be miserable to do well. You can do both. So this lot, I think, have just got way too comfy in their little Manchester United duvets. Yeah, they've just been there. It's too easy. Turn up, earn your money, wear the shirt, go home. And there's no real intent. And I think this was the issue with the transfer market last year when we talked about Ronaldo coming in. United fans automatically thought that means United would be you know, big title contenders because you've got this 803-goal hero coming in and it's all just going to work and la-di-da-di-da. Well, no, it doesn't work like that because you have to turn up 
and put a shift in. And I think that's why Ranić was chosen because he's he's absolutely known for being that type of coach. David De Gea and Matic both said before the game, they'll be doing their interviews, that every moment with Ranić is intense. That's they were their exact words, and that's what I want to hear. I want a coach that's going to drill this lot and tell them what they need to do. But then they need to go and do it. So I think against Burnley, we did see at least kind of signs that they have the aptitude to play pressing football. But I also am a realist. And I think that it's just going to take a little bit of time. And as long as you're winning games or, or getting close to winning football matches, I think you're OK. I'm not expecting to see any kind of miracles from Ranić. And I think if you want to implement Gagan pressing, it takes weeks and months to do that. It doesn't take days. And of course, they've had virtually no training over the last few weeks because of COVID. So so I think there, there are positives and negatives. And as you said there, I think we have a positive of victory against Burnley. But there are still kind of very defined negatives that we'll talk about today. Yeah, uh, just a, a side note before we move on to, I was going to read out a Ralph Randick quote, but I can confirm that I did have a Manchester United duvet when I was a kid. Uh, Me too. <laughs> but I didn't get paid £250,000 a week to have one. So, you know, it's kind of like... <laughs> I might have had two, actually. I might have had two. But uh, yeah, uh, throwback there. But what Ralph said after the Newcastle game, uh, I'm going to quote him here. Uh, was the first half the best since I came to the club? I would say offensively, Yes. Whenever we had the ball in their half, we did the things we intended to do, finding the right spots and spaces, taking on players in one-on-ones. After the first goal we scored, we had control, but then we gave away one goal. Is this the right one? 3-1 win over Burnley. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Whenever the ball was in our half, there is still a space for improvement, but offensively, that was the best performance so far. But he did. He talked about doing well offensively, but there's still things to sort out in their own half when they're not in possession. So... You know, we'll talk about the likes of Harry Maguire in a little bit, but I don't know whether there's anything you want to pick up on there, Rob. Yeah, I think he is a he's a savvy operator, Raniak. He kind of says what he needs to say without offending people, but just puts it in kind of, you know, very basic language. And really what he was saying was, yeah, he was happy on the front foot. He was happy with the press, but he wasn't happy with the work that the defenders were doing. And let's be honest, that's the story of the Burnley match, isn't it? So I think on the front foot that we saw much more from Cristiano at the top end of the pitch in terms of his work rate. I described it after the match as his best game since he came back from uh, from Juventus. I think that he kind of had intent. He he shows that even at 36, there is still an engine under the bonnet. It's just a choice of doing the work, you know, and it's very hard. Again, I said this before, 800 goals. You know, who's going to tell Cristiano Ronaldo how to play as a forward? Well, really, the only guy who should be saying that to him is his manager. And I think that showed yesterday. Cavani did Cavani things. I think Greenwood did well. I think Sancho did well. So that front unit was fine. I think defensively, we saw the same old Solskjaer defending tactics. Slow ball movement, way too many passes back to David De Gea. You know, we've seen and sideways uh, as well. The, and, the sideways things a few times really absolutely, absolutely. And and I think the, the, one of the things that Ranić said before he came to the club or as he joined United was that you know he doesn't like defenders passing the ball back to the goalkeeper because the goalkeeper is your least technical player, and that makes complete sense, doesn't it? What did United do yesterday? I saw Eric Bailly on a halfway line when no one was around him spin and do a volley fifty yards back to De Gea when he could have just controlled it and get and given it to a fullback. So it's it's little isms like that 
that Ranjit needs to iron out quickly because that is habits. That's bad habits. And I think we saw that yesterday against Burnley. It was way too much of this. I've got the ball. I'm not going to play a vertical pass because I haven't got the kahunas to, to do it. I don't want to lose the ball. So I'm going to go sideways. I'm going to go backwards. I'm going to give the ball to the goalkeeper. All of that rubbish. If we keep seeing that, those players will not play. Ranić will phase them out because he's already said he wants to see vertical passing football. And I think the forwards did that. You saw that with Jaden, I think with Mason. When they got the ball, they either ran with it forward or they passed it forward. They weren't looking to, you know, give it back to Nemanja Matic. They were actually finding ways to get vertical, to go up the pitch, to hurt Burnley. And I think that was really evident. I think it was kind of like, that's kind of the tale of the game is that you had this almost like two Man United teams out there. One that was intent on pressing and doing the work and the other half that was living in the past, maybe eight weeks ago still. And and that's going to take work for Ranjit. You mentioned habits. Was there a change in body language compared to the Newcastle game? I think body language is always a, an interesting one to discuss because it's it's kind of an abstract concept. Um, you know, uh, body language, does a player want to do something? You know, does a player have the inclination to do it? Well, what we saw yesterday, I don't think it is body language because Ranić described it perfectly with a Newcastle game. He said it's not about body language, it's about body. It's about actually just running and doing the work. And I agree with that. And I think that's what we saw. So I don't think there was any issue with body language yesterday. I didn't see anyone kind of shying away. There is one player who I think's body language is telling a completely different story. And he is the captain of the football club. And we'll talk about Harry Maguire. But there are there are worrying habits in his game, worrying traits. And it almost feels like he might be the guy that suffers the most out of the the end of the Solskjaer era at Manchester United because he was Solskjaer's captain, but he just seems to have lost anything that he was good at last year. And he was good last year, got England to the finals of the Euros. And let's be honest, if he'd been in Man United's team in in the uh, Europa League final, I think we might have all felt that we'd have won that game. But he's lost all of that. And... You know, that's something that Maguire himself needs to answer with performances because it doesn't matter how much he talks about it or says something about it in presses. Ultimately, we need to see it in football matches. So you've taken one of the positives in Ronaldo. I had three players lined up for each section in positives and negatives. We talked about Ronaldo. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about Maguire. But we'll start with the negatives first and then we'll finish up before we go to a quick break with the rest of the positives. So Harry Maguire... Just he's always been criticized for looking slow, being slow, thinking slow. And the last few days, the last few games, it's just seemed to get worse. Uh, and I've been able to not tolerate it, but I've, I've defended him quite. I feel like he's had a bad rap because United bought him for 80 million. It's not his fault. You know, there's an expectation that comes with costing more than Virgil van Dyke, etc. etc. But the last few days, and especially in the Newcastle, the, the Burnley game, sorry. He, it just seems like he's thinking like two seconds slower than he usually is. And it just makes him look physically slower as well, doesn't it? Yeah, completely. Like, look, Harry Maguire's never been quick. So when you sign him and you've watched him for years, seen what he did at Leicester and other football clubs, he's never been quick across the ground. What he was always good at was that he was a decently quick thinker. So he could get the ball out his feet. 
He can make a pass. He could progress the ball. And he can even run with the ball, you know, into midfield. He can do that when the space is there. He can do that. But as you just said there, there's something mentally not right with Harry Maguire. Definitely. Because he's making decisions and second guessing himself. There's no doubt. So when the ball's at his feet, he's not doing Harry Maguire things. He's now doing things out of fear. So last night, obviously partnering Eric Bailly. I don't think Eric Bailly is a good partner for anyone. You know, he's erratic. You know, he's physical. He's quick, but he will make a mistake. He made the mistake, obviously, initially for the Aaron Lennon goal. But then Harry Maguire had to make a decision about what to do against an ageing Aaron Lennon, who, let's be honest, you know, no one's seen Aaron Lennon for years. And here's Aaron Lennon at Old Trafford running down the central channel at your captain. So he's got to go and deal with that. And he just didn't deal with it. He just ran backwards, allowed him the space, allowed him the shot, and then it's a goal. I think Ranić will look at that and feel pretty bad about that because here's his captain who he needs to lead. You know, he needs to take Ranić's tactics like, like I think he used to with Solskjaer's tactics and p- apply them to go and win football matches. But here's your captain. He can't do it. So I, I just think that it's it could be a really, really tough six months for Harry Maguire in the sense that if Varane finds form, then I think we're going to be doing podcasts talking about who are Man United going to buy at centre-back. Because I think that's where we're getting to very, very quickly. Can Harry I just Maguire, ask you a question, Rob? Yeah? Can you drop a captain mid-season? Yeah, of course you can. You can drop anyone. You know, football is about getting it done on the pitch. Wearing armbands means nothing. You know, we always find in this country, in the UK, that the, the captaincy is some holy holy grail and it means something and blah, 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 blah. You go to the continent and the captain is just the, the most experienced player. It's, it's not really, there's no kudos to it. So Harry Maguire might be a captain, but he's not, a, he's not Brian Robson. He's not Eric Eric Cantona. He's not Roy Keane, is he? He's not putting those leadership qualities across. So can you drop him? Yes, you can drop him. You know, if he's not doing the one thing he's good at, which is ball progression and ball control, if he's not doing that well, then I think you do drop him. And at the moment, I think if Victor Lindelof was fit, obviously Victor's had uh, has had uh, COVID. He was showing a few weeks ago that his ball progression was pretty good still. You know, he was actually doing that work. So. It would not surprise me if we do see a short-term partnership of Lindelof and Varane kind of manifest itself surprisingly. But at the same time, it wouldn't be surprised because Maguire is not doing enough for me for starting at the moment. He's making way too many mistakes and he's not really showing any leadership skills on top. Completely agree with you, to be honest. Uh, I'm just going to move on briefly to two players that we didn't see against Burnley for differing reasons. Bruno Fernandes was suspended and Marcus Rashford stayed on the bench uh, both players have not been in good form and they weren't there. Was it any coincidence that United seemed to play better without them? Or what, what do you think? Because I, I don't think either player has really played that well for a long time now. Uh, and, you know, I've been looking at Marcus Rashford, the way he's been playing. I don't think he's short of confidence, but maybe he is a little bit, but he hasn't really been doing it for me for quite often. Like I'm seeing like Jaden Sancho being subbed off before him in a lot of games. I'm thinking, why isn't Rashford going instead of Sancho? So it was interesting not to see Rashford last night. And then Bruno Fernandes obviously couldn't play anyway, but I know you've had your own concerns about him, right? Yeah. And, and, and I think with both of those players, you know, I, uh, again, after the Newcastle game, I talked a lot about the leadership and about the leaders of the team. And, you know, United haven't got many leaders in the squad, but Rashford and Bruno are certainly two of those leaders. You know, the guys were quite vocal. 
they're very important in the dressing room and obviously their stats from last season, you know, two of the most statistically important Man United players in the squad. I think, again, a bit like the Maguire issue, instead of Maguire, it's mental. It's something they're mentally not right on the football pitch. I think it's the same for Bruno and Marcus. So with Marcus in the in the Newcastle game, you could see first half, couldn't really do it. Almost looked like he was running through mud, very sticky, not really making good decisions. And then at least in the second half, he was deciding to run more. You know, he's actually doing the energy work. But Bruno Fernandes seems to be in the middle of some kind of football crisis. You know, like when the ball is on the, on the football pitch at his feet, he can't keep it. He can't pass it. He doesn't make good decisions. You think for the goal when they saw, scored against Newcastle and that ball comes in from Delow, that was the one really good bit of work that Bruno did where he spins on the ball in midfield in the 10 deep and he just clips the ball over the top. And that was an out ball for the midfield. They played that ball, they score a goal. And as I said, again, after the game, whoopee do you actually pass the ball well and you score. Isn't that funny, football? You know, if you get those things right. I think Bruno would have been watching that yesterday, either at home with his feet up or maybe from, he was at from the, the private box. I think he did From a, the private box, yeah, you know, the watching box. the game. And I think the challenge is there for him. And you need to be better. If you're not better at what you do, again, the key components of your game, if they're not present, then you can't start. You cannot start players on reputation. And that's also why I was so pleased with Cristiano on the day against uh, Burnley, because as good as Cristiano is, and you know that he's the best finisher of all time and blah, 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 he's great. He's got to do the work and everyone has to do the work together. So I think you, know, you, you posed the question there, were United better because those two players didn't play? Yes, I think that's right. I think those two players didn't play and United were better. And that was the reason because you take those failing elements out of your team and you try and change it progressively. And I think with the six changes that we saw, that was all about progression from Ranić. you know, change the fullbacks. He mixed up the tens. He put Cavani as a starter. He took Rashford out the firing line. Obviously, Bruno couldn't play. And I think he made the right choices for the team. And I think we'll see that going forward. I'm sure those two guys will come back in because they're senior players, but they have to be better. And I've got no kind of no bones about it that Ranić will drop them again if they don't put the performances. Because ultimately, it reflects on Ralph, doesn't it? You know, the players that they're not doing the work. If Ranić will get sacked in six months' time, it won't be those players. They'll still be at the football club. It definitely does need to be an element of that introduced where if you're not performing, you don't play. Because I think Ollie was quite, you know, he, brought, he did some good things, but I think one of the things you can criticise him for was sticking to players who weren't really playing that well. So I think it's, it was good to see the rotation. Marcus Rashford, you know, he was he was on the bench. Maybe he'll come back with a bit of a kick up the arse like Luke Shaw did. I'm going to speak, the, speak about the positives. Uh, there's a suggestion that Luke Shaw, you know, maybe needed a kind of uh, kick up the backside with Alex Tellers going there. But obviously he's had concussion problems. He's had injury problems. So perhaps it was an element of that affecting him in his recent performances as well. But he was much better uh, against Newcastle. There was a, a point in the in the first half where he, he saw a gap in front of him with the ball at his feet and drove in to the centre of the pitch and had a shot. Went just wide. I think it hit the side netting, but I think some of the crowd thought it was in, you know, the, those moments where you can't really see you see the net bulb, but you don't know which side of the net it's gone in. So you just, you react anyway. I think he was, he did well. We've obviously mentioned Ronaldo and Scott McTominay was uh, a man of the match, like put in a man of the match performance, uh, got awarded with it. And 
he was loving it. He was driving forward with the ball. Uh, phys- physically, he looked really good. He embodies that energy, I think, that Ralph Rannick wants and proved again. I think it's been no secret that he can shoot from long long distance. But, you know, a couple of moments in that, he scored with one long long-range shot. And I think him shooting and Wayne Hennessy tipping it onto the post led to Ronaldo's goal as well. So performances which were really good and encouraging from both of those players, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I also think they're going to be important players in the weeks ahead, you know, going through the season. Um, we saw that that wasn't the Luke Shaw of the last few weeks. That was the Shawberto of last season, the guy who scores a goal in the European final for England, you know, was absolutely mustered for United all season last year. Went from being a player 12 months ago that United fans were talking about selling to being the best left back in the world. And that is also statistically, when you look at the ball progression, Luke Shaw is one of the best ball progressors in the whole of the Premier League and in Europe. So that's a statistical fact. That's not just a made-up thing. So that was present last night, and that's what we need from Luke Shaw. I said last year about Shaw that I think he just clicked in his head of what he needed to be at Man United, and that was he couldn't just hold the line or play a pair with, with Maguire. He had to be a guy that took responsibility and pushed forward. And you saw that against Burnley. He was getting the ball and driving the spaces. And what does that do? That helps the guy in front of him, Jadon Sancho. Gives Sancho space. means Sancho can go inside or outside because you've got an overlapping fullback. So, excuse me. But I I think that was a huge positive. I think Luke Shaw was my man in the match against Burnley, even though you could certainly say that Scott McTominay's performance was more eye-catching. And I think, again, with, with Scott... You can see, you know, we talk about number sixes. That's how you play that role. You know, you have to have the box-to-box energy. And this is why I don't like talking about defensive midfielders coming to Man United, because I think that's what you need. You need someone who can get up and down the pitch. No good sitting in front of a back four and playing a more lower block system. You can do that with Matic. That's what they did the, uh, last night. And that allowed McTominay to go forward. But you want McTominay in and around the box. He was a striker as a kid and that's what he does well he can get the ball on the edge of the box he can hit the target give him a little bit more time to do that we have an incredible exclusive offer from our friends at pro prep this is the perfect study tool for university students undertaking science technology engineering or maths related modules it can halve your study time pro prep provides bite-sized videos relevant to the module or course which can be accessed from any device at any time it has already helped over 500,000 students pass their exams They provide customized STEM study tools that match your syllabus. Long lectures are condensed into short and clear video tutorials. And after the videos, you can go through what you've just learned with interactive exercises and practice questions so you'll be ready. You can even submit questions to the ProPrep professors and receive a video answer within 24 hours. ProPrep created a special offer just for our listeners. All you need to do is go to their website, proprep.uk slash info slash football for more information. And our listeners can sign up for a Free 30-day trial now. No credit card information required. That's proprep.uk slash info slash football. ProPrep, the ultimate study tool. Rob, let's look ahead, shall we? Uh, there were some encouraging signs in the Burnley game, uh, but Ralph Rannick did make six changes. Uh, Wolves are next on January 3rd. I think that's Monday. So we'll record our next show just after that on Tuesday, hopefully. Uh, and look at the Wolves game as a whole and what we've learned from that as well. Hopefully another win will come with it, but as evidenced this season by a lot of teams who've played Wolves, they're not actually that easy to play against. So it might be a challenging one, even if it's at Old Trafford. 
so what can we expect from this one? Do you think Ralph will make another six changes? Do you think he will... S- do you think there was enough encouraging signs in the Burnley game to think, I'll stick with this? Or do you think he'll make more rotations? I think he has to make rotations. And, and the reason for that is that if they're playing this new style of football in terms of pressing, it's tiring. You know, you have to, you have to actually look at the, the, the full gambit of it, of, of what it does to a professional footballer. And this is why all the top teams use their squads effectively. This is why Guardiola rotates nonstop. Now, I would say that Ranić has got as any kind of depth compared to Pep Guardiola, but he's going to have to use everything that he's got. So that will be Rashford, that will be Bruno, but they're going to have to come in and do the work. So I think when you look at Wolves, Wolves are a much more fluid team than Burnley. Um, we looked at Wolves statistically in the early part of the season when, uh, when they weren't winning games. But statistically, in terms of defending to attack, they were the best in the league. You know, the way they progressed the ball from back to front, they were really, really clever and smart and they were doing all the good stuff so that's still there with Wolves so I think that they will play for United's midfield you know much more technically than say Burnley will Burnley obviously going to go longer to to someone like Wood up top play that style of football whereas I I think you'll see a more continental style from uh from Wolves and I actually think that I might play into Ranić's hands because if they've got the ball in the defensive areas on the deck it means that you can press a little bit more with a bit more vigor, kind of meet the meet the demand higher up the pitch. And that that definitely kind of lends itself to Ralph Ranić football. But Wolves are a good team. You know, it's, it's no given here. And I think this is the problem for Man United is that while they try and find an identity and a style under a new coach, there's always that risk you're going to get bad performances. So I've not been surprised that we've had some stinkers, you know, Newcastle, Norwich. It's just no surprise because it takes time to work on these technical issues but at the same time you just need to put in a shift and it'll be the same with Wolves they need to go and meet that challenge head on but I wouldn't be surprised to see say Ronaldo rotated out because you know he's 36 and he just cannot start every match and these are games coming thick and fast aren't they every two three four days um, after this there's a break you know there's a, a period of I think 14 days where there's no Premier League football or around that there might be some rescheduled matches in there somewhere but it means that these guys can kind of get over this hump now and then go back it's to the It's FA Cup, Rob. I think it's the FA it's Cup. F- it's FA Cup, but of course FA Cup means rotations, doesn't it? So like, it, it, let's, not, let's not be, you know, make any kind of things about it. We know that United will probably play some of the kids in there. They'll take more risks. They want to win the FA Cup, but it's not as important as three points for a win in the Premier League. Um, maybe not to football fans, but I'm talking about how football clubs view it. So these guys will be rotated in and out then as well. I'm sure Ranić will make some ch- uh, changes, but I think he, can, he only can just rotate for Wolves and just bring in the star players and say to people like Bruno and Rashford, you know, this is your chance. You know, if you don't do it, then I will substitute you and you won't start the next match. And you hope that they're hungry enough to take that challenge. Interesting, because <clears throat> I think... United have the Champions League is one of the competitions they theoretically can win. I am, uh, you know, doing little quote grab marks with my hands there, but they're not among the favourites for that based on how they've played, but they can. They're still in that competition. And the FA Cup is another one, the other trophy that's available to them this season. They're already out of the League Cup. The Premier League's gone, obviously. Uh, What are the aims for the remainder of the season, Rob? I think the winning a trophy is still the main thing that's what you want you want to kind of go out there and do your best to win a trophy 
But if Ralph Rangnick wins the FA Cup, he still probably gets sacked. So, you know, this, this is the thing. Football fans love a day out at Wembley and they you know, they want silverware and they want to, to have some bragging rights. But Ralph Rangnick's job, in the most simplest terms, is to get top four. So if he gets top four, there's every chance for him that he retains his position, that he stays on as manager. If he gets fifth and the FA Cup, he's gone, finished. New manager comes in, you start again. So football fans are always going to lean towards silverware, but the real business of football means that you're you're always looking at that league position and winning three points every week. That's the that's the philosophy of the football club now in modern times, and Ragnick will know that 100%. Just looking at the Premier League table before we move on, uh, United, as we record this, in sixth place with a game in hand on Arsenal, but Arsenal and Tottenham and Chelsea have some difficult games coming up. So do Liverpool, even. <laughs> I don't know whether United can end up catching the likes of Chelsea and uh, Chelsea and Liverpool, but if Chelsea, with their injury problems, and Afcon, I think Mendy's going to go to Afcon. You know, mm-hmm. Kaku speaking out, all this stuff, uh, injury and COVID and all this kind of business. Uh, could they potentially get back dragged back into a top four race? Who knows? It has seemed like one position only will be available and for that will be fourth place. Uh, but you never know. But yeah, I agree with you, Rob. I think fourth place is the most important thing for this season. They have to get Champions League football. It's kind of a sad thing, really, because I know how much I'm sounding like an old fart here. But, you know, the FA Cup used to be this amazing competition, this kind of stuff. But yeah, it, fourth place has to be the aim. Uh, and United don't look too bad. They've got a, a decent run of fixtures coming up until March, as we've touched on on previous episodes of the pod, where you would expect that this squad of players goes and takes as many points as possible from them before the, the run-in. Uh, but a question to you, Rob, because we are just about to enter the January transfer window and in line with what United's aims are for the rest of the season. What positions... Well, first question... Do you think they will do any business? And second question, what positions do you think United needs strengthening most? We can talk about, I personally think there's as many as three positions that they could actually do some business in. But I don't think, I'm not overly convinced that they will go and buy anyone. I think it's going to be more about clearing out. But I think that it's been evident over the last few weeks that they do actually need more in certain positions. So if you could put, how many, first of all, how many positions do you think they need to strengthen in and what's the priority order of them? Well, you could say 10 at the moment, <laughs> you know, the way that, where they have been playing. Um, I do think they will do business this time round, and, and and there are, it's multifaceted why I think that. I think first reason is that there's going to be outgoings. So I think under Ole, you know, Ole had spent three years kind of building the squad not really too many outgoings, maybe just more the problem players, players that were no longer part of the plan. You know, we just talked there about Lukaku. He was one of those players at that point, you know, left the football club. Um, but I think when you, it's, it's all about availability, isn't it? That's the first thing about what what is out there and what can you go and get. Now, Man United have always been connected to the biggest players in Europe and in the world because that's what sells. Man United are part of that ecosystem of, of the transfer market and, being part of the entertainment cycle of transfers. But I think Ranić comes to United with this whole Red Bull philosophy on recruitment. So there's going to be players that United fans have got no idea about, have never seen before, don't know what they do, and Ranić's going to go, that's the player I need. And do you know what? That's his job. I want that. I want a coach to tell us 
who he's going to sign. I don't want us to tell him, you know, like, I don't want us to kind of constantly go around and demand that if you don't get Haaland, then you can't score goals and stuff like that. It's just not true. It's the same way as when Liverpool bought Salah, Mane and Firmino, they were free players. I've always said that Man United fans would never have bought in those moments. They'd have looked at those players and gone, why do we want them? Why do we need them? So I think Ranić will have aces up his sleeve. And I think we'll see players arrive at the club. Not huge signings in terms of numbers or values or money. But I think we'll see players that can do work, can do certain jobs. You're just saying which positions. I think today, if I'm Ralph Ranić, I'm looking at centre-back. I'm looking at centre-back and saying, how do I solve that issue where I have physicality at centre-back, but also ball control, and I have a player there that can sit next to Rafael Varane when he's fit and do the work? Now, you just said, can you drop a captain? This is why I think you can drop a captain. I think if you find a centre-back that can do that, or you even throw the challenge to someone like Mengi, who has got... Mengi's a hugely talented youngster and you know might well go out on loan again. But he's got all the raw components to do it. He's a ball player. He can chase. He can shadow. He's intelligent. He's a leader. You know, he's a captain all the way through. He's you, Franks. So I look at Mengi and I'm hot on him. I think, yeah, Mengi could be the guy that steps up. But at the same time, he might go into the transfer market and say, yeah, there's, there's a maybe a, a veteran defender out there that's physically still can do all the work, can do the chasing, can do the pressing. And you go and buy him. So I think that's the kind of signing we'll see. I don't think we're going to see, you know, these 50, 60, 70 million elite signings. Don't forget, Bruno Fernandes did arrive in the January transfer market. And even though we always say that United don't sign players in January, there's been plenty of examples over the years when they have Patrice Evra, Nemanja Vidic, Luis Saha. There's loads of January signings that United have brought in. And at the moment, United do need one or two extras because they're going to be losing one or two mentioned centre-backs there, but a name that has been doing the rounds on social media over the last few days is Julian Alvarez from River Plate. Uh, a forward player who, to me, it seemed like there's a lot of agent noise around it. But, you know, I think United have distanced themselves from it through all their, um, their network of home journalists. But uh, you never know. They could, maybe it's a different sign. Maybe they keep their cards close to their chest and end up doing something. Uh, they did obviously distance themselves from Bruno Fernandes uh, quite often uh, before they ended up signing him as well. So, uh, you know, again, one of those players who fans will not know a lot about, uh, but, you know, has youth energy, can score goals. Um, and while we're still learning about who can play in the 10 positions or the wing positions, as Ralph called it after the Newcastle game, uh, and up front, United do need a kind of, youthful player you know Ensign Cavani can do it but he's not going to be able to play games every three days and there's a few questions about whether he'll actually stay or not this this winter as well so do United need a player like that do you think I think the whole Alvarez link comes from the ex expectation that Anthony Martial will leave the football club so Anthony Martial will almost definitely join Sevilla in the next few days um I think as well you know when you take Martial's skill set out of the squad you then have to think about what do you bring in to, to supplement that. So we've been used to seeing Anthony Martial be as the number nine, play obviously in a 4-2-3-1 at the top end of the pitch. And that's been his function for, you know, two years, yeah, around that. But what I think you're really losing in terms of your squad numbers is a wide player, someone who can go into the wider areas. So we know that Jaden, I think, 
isn't is a starter when, when everyone is fit now going forward in the weeks ahead. But with question about whether I think Rashford can play in that role. You know, do do you see Marcus Rashford as one of the pair of nines at the top end of the pitch in a four-two-two-two, or do you drop him a little bit deeper? And of course, then you've got Mason who can do both those roles as well. So I think that if you're going to bring in a forward player, someone like Alvarez makes sense because he is a goal scorer. He can score goals. I think he's got a kind of one in two ratio at River Plate, but he's also he's got that energy game as well. So he can push up the pitch from those winger positions and it's quite interesting because i've spent <laughs> i spent five years talking about how the winger position is dead and i hate calling wide players wingers because they're not really wingers anymore they're, they're you know fullbacks are now wing backs and they kind of look after the wing position but I they're call them wide forwards time. wide forwards they are wide forwards that's it wide forwards exactly a kind of play they're playing the channel and these channel players is kind of the the modern way of playing but ralph called them both last night called Jaden and called mason wingers you know, he said they, were, they did my wing function. And it was like, okay, that's cool. So I think you can see someone like Alvarez, who is a winger as well by trade. He can go wide. He can pick the ball up in those areas. And that, that of course, was what Anthony Martial was going back, wasn't it? Left-sided forward. And I think that's what you're replacing. So if you lose Anthony Martial, you bring in a player that can do that function on the left-hand side. We have talked about players who could potentially leave the club uh, in previous episodes, but there's a number of questions to be answered during the January window. You've got Phil Jones, who hasn't played a game this season and has seemingly been there forever. Uh, Dean Henderson, noises about him potentially leaving. Martial potentially leaving as well, as you mentioned there, Rob. Donny van der Beek, that age-old question about Donny, will he ever get a game? How many managers is that now? Three managers who've just looked at him and thought, your place is on the bench, mate. Uh, and... I think the the fanfare or the the fan outcry about not playing that Donny Van der Beek is is waning a little bit because there seems to be something in common there. Uh, maybe I'm speaking a bit too early, but it just seems like there's something off there with Donny. No, I, I, I've started to call him Donny Van der Who because like who is he? You know, like what what is he? You know, and I think the problem is is that there's got to be a reason why he's not playing. There's got to be a reason. There's no way that a manager just would look at him and say, oh yeah, you've just bought him for, you know, best part of 30 million quid and you just don't ever play him. And people thought that was a Solskjaer thing, didn't they? But here we are with Ralph Ranić, plays a completely different style of football, a different mind in terms of coaching and what he wants from players. And he's not playing Donny van der Beek. I wonder why that is. So, you know, this is what we say about McFred, isn't it? About players, about Scott McTominay. People would say, oh, why is McTominay being picked? Well, probably because he was the best in training that week. And you think, yeah, I have to pick the players on that merit uh, until you can go in a transfer market and maybe make a sign-in. So I, I think you look at Van der Beek, I think that maybe his time at the football club has come to an end. I would not be surprised to see him go out on a flash loan just to get him some football, just to see what happens. You just mentioned Dean Henderson. I think his time at Manchester United has come to an end as well. Um, lots of talk about Henderson and Bailly both regretting signing their contracts, uh, at, obviously on, under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. But I think it's quite clear to them now that they're not going to get minutes. That means they want to leave the football club. So this is what I mean. I think we're going to see significant sales or at least big loan deals in the, in the weeks ahead. And that will at least give United the excuse to go and do some business. You know, it means that you can't just get rid of three, four or five players out of a squad, even a big squad, and not replace them and not give that manager extra extra manpower. And I think Ranić might even himself go and get some loans. We might see one or two players come into the club that just do six months jobs and come in and, 
you know, have something to play for. And, uh, and that could be a, a good solution to give this manager a little bit more of what he needs. One person who was quite good at regenerating squads is Sir Alex Ferguson. We are recording on his 80th birthday today. Uh, so before we leave, a big happy birthday to him. Uh, and good to see him in the crowd last night watching a win on the eve of his birthday. Yeah, and a big smile on his face. And I think it's obviously, you know, the the godfather of our football club. It was, it was Samat for so many years, sat in that stand. And I used to see him as a kid and see Samat there in the leather seats. And you'd look towards him and remember what United was. And I think with Alex Ferguson, as great as he is, as statesman that he is, there still needs to be some aspiration towards what this football club can be. And it's most important is that we become winners again. And that's what Sir Alex brought back. But it took him a long time. People have to remember that. It took Sir Alex Ferguson the best part of five years to reconstruct this Manchester United team. Now, no manager will ever get five years again in the modern day to do that. But I think we have to put our faith in a thinker, someone who's going to, to bring a brain to the table. Because even though we've had some good coaches now since Sir Alex left the team, I don't think we found that person who can take the project on and take it the next step. I do have real good, great faith in Ralph Ranick. I see kind of similarities between Ranick and Ferguson in just the way that that he builds stuff. And I think that Sir Alex was the great builder. That's what he did at United. And I think we need a coach now who does that going forward. Thank you very much, Rob. Happy New Year to you. Uh, we'll wrap up there and we'll be back on Tuesday, hopefully, uh, after the Wolves game, where there's hopefully another three points for United. Remember to subscribe to our show. We're on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and follow us on Twitter. You can find us at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at Promised MU. As I say, Happy New Year to all our listeners. Thank you very much for listening. Get in touch with us on social as well. If there's anything you want us to talk about, we'll be more than happy to do so. Uh, but Rob, thank you very much, and have a great evening of crazy partying. I'm sure you will be uh, at the forefront of the party in life, just like me. Although I'll probably be asleep by about 11.55, I would imagine. Oh, so, um... Yeah, I was going to say sleep by about half nine tonight, <laughs> I think. <laughs> and then obviously football work the following day, because that's how it rolls. Fantastic stuff. Uh, guys, have a great new year and we'll see you in 2022. Thank you for listening. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.